This fall, we've been looking for good news out of the Old Testament. Every good gift, dot, dot, dot. Every good gift comes from above. That's our theme. So we've been looking at the text from the Old Testament in the lectionary, looking for good news. So today and next week, the text is from the apocalyptic text of the book of Daniel. Um, and so I wrote to the staff in, uh, in our preparation, uh, so we've got to try to figure out what's good news about apocalyptic texts. Strange, odd, weird stuff. The book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, Mark chapter 14, those in particular in the Bible, um, all kinds of weird stuff about the end of the world. How, what in the world do, do we get from that? What is the good news? We'll take today and next Sunday looking for good news from the apocalyptic text of the Bible. I want to read the text within the sermon, um, so I'll not do that right now. In my last sermon, two weeks ago, I quoted my friend, the late Dr. Bill Hull, who would sometimes stand up in the pulpit when he got ready to preach, and he would say, now today you need to put on your seatbelts, with the text being from one of the weirdest books in the whole Bible, and filled with apocalyptic darkness, you might expect one of those seatbelt sermons today, but I hope not. In fact, I want to direct today's sermon, today's words to our young people. I really was hoping y'all were all going to sit right here at the front so I could be looking right at you and maybe pointing my finger if I needed to or something like that. We have a good many youth, but you're spread out across the room. I want to speak to you in particular today. Everybody else, you can listen in, okay? Not that youth aren't capable of understanding the hardest of sermons. I think you are if you listen. But I want to try to speak to our youth in particular today because our youth might be the best equipped to understand apocalyptic language. I really mean that. I'll try to explain. So young people, here's the deal. As we begin, I'm going to use two big words. Now don't let big words scare you. Big words have meanings just like little words, so don't let a few extra syllables scare you off. The first word is apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. The apocalypse is the end of the world. So anything that is apocalyptic relates to ideas and images about the end of time. We usually think about this in pretty dramatic terms, some grand battle between good and evil, nuclear war, chaos, destruction, dark stuff, apocalypse. The people don't seem to like that word a lot. When I use it in sermons, some people roll their eyes or they just stop listening immediately. Russ is using his big words again, you know. And I think this is ironic because the truth is that we love apocalyptic stuff. We really do. Apocalyptic books and movies are always bestsellers. In my day, it was Mad Max. Anybody remember Mad Max from way back when? The Terminator. Remember the Terminator? More recently, you can think The Walking Dead, apocalyptic. You can think movies like A Quiet Place or The Matrix or The Book of Eli. Apparently, Tom Hanks' new movie, Finch, is being called an apocalyptic must-see. And people have always, always been drawn to apocalyptic themes. 
Apocalyptic refers to the end of the world, but the word apocalypse, which is a Greek word, and don't be afraid when Russ says Greek word, okay? Don't be afraid. It just means revealing or revelation. The book of uh, the biblical book of Revelation is titled in the Greek, The Apocalypse of John. Now, don't call it Revelations drives me crazy when people read from the book of Revelations. It was only one revelation. It was the apocalypse, the revelation of John. Now this revealing is some great hidden mystery. This revealing of some great hidden mystery is connected with the end of the world. The stories and movies Uh, usually picture the main character revealing some great truth, saving the world in the process. So the first word for today is apocalypse and apocalyptic, the end of the world. Though apocalyptic tales sometimes just picture an entirely different kind of world, but not a world necessarily after a nuclear holocaust. So the Harry Potter series which every kid in America has read all seven books, I'm convinced. You know, the Harry Potter series is an apocalyptic series. has nothing to do with the literal end of the world, but it's considered post-apocalyptic fiction. This week I read, Harry Potter holds many of the characteristics prevalent in intertestamental apocalyptic literature. These characteristics include... Symbolism, a lot of symbolism in Harry Potter. Pessimism, the world shaking at its foundations. Dualism, this great battle between good and evil. The presence of a righteous remnant. Prophecy and determinism and the triumph of God. All of that in Harry Potter, which makes it apocalyptic, even though it's not set in you know, a post-nuclear world. Apocalyptic, the world shaking at its foundations. The next word is also a big word, five syllables. It's on the cover of the bulletin today, but it's not hard to understand either. The word is eschatology. The Greek word eschaton just means end. And so eschatology is the study of the end. It's words and language about the end. And just as apocalyptic, can be extended beyond its literal understanding. Years ago, our seminary professors taught us that eschatology might also be extended not just to refer to the end of the world, the apocalypse, but to end things or the most important things or last things, lasting things. So a kind of symbolic understanding of, of eschatology, just like apocalyptic, doesn't necessarily refer just to the literal end of the world. So these two words are connected, right? The apocalypse is the end of the world, and eschatology is the theological study of the end of the world. Apocalypse does not have a specifically religious meaning, but eschatology does. Eschatology is a theological study of the end But for our purposes, the words are often used interchangeably. Apocalypse or apocalyptic is a revealing. Eschaton or eschatology, the end or the study of end times or of lasting things. But they kind of come together and mean the same thing. The book of Revelation that I have already mentioned and the book of Daniel. 
which contains our text for today, are eschatological or apocryphal. They have to do with last things, with lasting things. Now what's more, scholars, you know, Bible nerds, tell us that these books are textbook examples of a specific type of writing called, guess what, apocalyptic literature, right? The book of Daniel is a textbook example of apocalyptic literature. This writing arose about three centuries before Christ. It was a particular type of writing, a genre like fiction or nonfiction. Apocalyptic is a particular literary genre that has a specific style and a specific purpose. I just read to you about the symbolism, the pessimism, the dualism in the Harry Potter series. Those are the specific styles used in apocalyptic. The genre of apocalyptic writing is a distinct style of writing that is not necessarily based in facts and history, but always is characterized by its use of dramatic elements. The events always seem world-ending. And there are supernatural characters, angels and demons and heroes and heroines, human heroes and heroines. These human and non-human agents are always at war. It's the battle between good and evil. And there are always strange, strange features in apocalyptic writing. The sky turning dark or the moon turning to blood or rivers drying up and weird, frightening creatures and beasts with horns and wings and additional limbs and extra feet and stuff like that. You know, weird stuff in apocalyptic writing. Now here's the thing that puzzles me about all this. When we see this stuff in the movies, we love it. We just can't get enough of apocalyptic. Mad Max wandering a nuclear scorched earth or the walking dead zombies hungry for blood. The weird wizards and characters in Harry Potter. The children of the Hunger Games killing each other off in an apocalyptic gore novel. We can't get enough. But let me go and read the Bible and people just start going, that's so weird and boring. The Bible is so out of date and out of touch with reality. Who wants to hear about that stuff? Can you listen today a little playfully? A little bit like we're reading a Harry Potter novel, an apocalyptic novel, that we're watching a movie. Listen to this text from Daniel that way. At that time, Michael, a great prince, the protector of your people shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish such as never has occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep the words secret and the book sealed until the time of the end. Many shall be running back and forth and evil shall increase. Kind of cool, isn't it? 
Sounds like a great plot for a scary apocalyptic movie. And here's why apocalyptic language has always been appealing. And young people, you need to listen right now if you haven't heard anything else I've said. Here's why apocalyptic language has always been so appealing. All that wild world shaking at the foundation stuff has always been appealing because it is an exaggeration, just a bigger version of what we are actually feeling in the real world right here, right now. The world shaking at its foundations. Haven't you felt that in the last couple years? Chaos in the streets, fires, storms, damage everywhere, a pandemic that has shaken the world. Apocalyptic stories do not predict the end of the world. Do not predict the end of the world. Daniel and Revelation do not contain some secret message that you can decode to learn when the world will end or who will start the nuclear Armageddon. No. The apocalypse is now. Can't you feel it? Maybe in your own life? You know, young people, you got a test upcoming and you haven't studied for it or you just don't understand the material. And you know that if you don't get a good grade, you'll have a bad GPA and you won't get into the right college and you won't get the right job and you won't make enough money. And who knows, you'll probably end up living on the street or under a bridge and begging for food. You know how you play that scenario out in your mind. Or worse, you may just have to live home with your parents until you're 40 years old feels like the world is about to come apart, doesn't it? When you see the prejudice, when you see the prejudice that some people still have about black folks or gay people or fat people or short people or immigrants or Muslims, and when you hear people, even people in the church, who sounds so full of hate and anger, so unforgiving and unloving. God, faith, church, who needs it? The world just doesn't seem to make any sense, does it? Maybe you're struggling with your sexuality. What you're feeling inside does not match what some people say you need to be feeling. Your head and your heart and the rest of your body don't seem to line up and connect in a meaningful way. The world shaking at the foundations. Maybe you're trying to figure out who you are. We've all been there. What's important? What you're going to contribute in this world? Who you're going to be? What you're going to be? It's just all too much. Maybe you need to hear today there shall be a time of anguish such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. Because that's exactly what it feels like sometimes. A time of anguish such as has never been before. And that's what apocalyptic language is about. It's an exaggeration. It's a picture of a bizarre world, maybe a scorched landscape that so often matches exactly the fear and the confusion and the weariness 
and the stress and the hunger for meaning that we all feel. Now here's the final thing you need to know about apocalyptic. The purpose of apocalyptic writing, whether it's Harry Potter or the book of Daniel, is that it draws us in to a terrifying world. Because that's what the real world is like. Sometimes the world is terrifying. There is prejudice and hatred and bigotry. There are wars and famines and fires and earthquakes and global pandemics. So apocalyptic stories draw us in. They're even more radical pictures of the world that they paint. And then they paint an entirely new picture of what can be. Ultimately, it's not a story of fear. It's a story of courage. It's not a message of despair. It's a message of hope. It's not the end of all things. Even when it's the end, there's a new beginning. So let me read it again, that text that I just read. There shall be a time of anguish such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. Ever felt that? But at that time, precisely in the midst of your chaos, your people shall be delivered. There's hope just when you need it the most. Everyone who is found written in the book Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Did you know that this is the first allusion to resurrection in the entire Bible? Even when it's over, it's not over. The first glimpse of life after death comes in an apocalyptic text in the weirdest book of the Bible. Resurrection hope. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There is that battle of good and evil. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness shall shine like stars forever and ever. Now, young people, now is the time to let your light shine. Christian faith can give us that courage. The love of God and the way of Jesus offer a way out of the apocalyptic desert that we experience sometimes. Jesus offers a way of love and forgiveness. His life offers an example of courage in the face of the greatest threats of, of the day. His resurrection promises life beyond life, hope beyond fear. It may feel like the end of the world. And we can live into that fear, or we can live into what Matthew Fox calls the playground of possibility. We can rise and let our light shine like the sun. May it be so.